My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 54, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 2, Deuteronomy 2, and Psalm 86. Numbers 2. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting, some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banner of their family. On the east, toward the sunrise, the divisions of the camp of Judah are to encamp under their standard. The leader of the people of Judah is Nashon, son of Amminadab. His divisions number 74,600. The tribe of Issachar will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Issachar is Nethanel, son of Zuar. His division numbers 54,400. The tribe of Zebulon will be next. The leader of the people of Zebulon is Eliab, son of Helon. His division numbers 57,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Judah, according to their divisions, number 186,400. They will set out first. On the south will be the division of the camp of Reuben, under their standard. The leader of the people of Reuben is Eleazar, son of Shador. His division numbers 46,500. The tribe of Simeon will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Simeon is Shalumiel, son of Zerishada. His division numbers 59,300. The tribe of Gad will be next. The leader of the people of Gad is Eliasaf, son of Duel. His division numbers 45,650. All the men assigned to the camp of Reuben, according to their divisions, number 151,450. They will set out second. Then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in their own place under their standard. On the west will be the division of the camp of Ephraim, under their standard. The leader of the people of Ephraim is Elishama, son of Amminuhud. His division numbers 40,500. The tribe of Manasseh will be next to them. The leader of the people of Manasseh is Gamaliel, son of Pedahazur. His division numbers 32,200. The tribe of Benjamin will be next. The leader of the people of Benjamin is Abidan son of Gideoni. His division numbers 35,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Ephraim, according to their division, number 108,100. They will set out third. On the north will be the division of the camp of Dan. Under their standard, the leader of the people of Dan is Ahiezer, son of Amenishadai. His division numbers 62,700. The tribe of Asher will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Asher is Pagiel, son of Okran. His division numbers 41,500. The tribe of Naphtali will be next. The leader of the people of Naphtali is Ahira, son of Anan. His division numbers 53,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Dan number 157,600. They will set out last under their standards. These are the Israelites, counted according to their families. All the men in the camp will be the division number 603,550. 
The Levites, however, were not counted along with the other Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. That is the way they encamped under their standard. And that is the way they set out, each of them with their clan and family. Deuteronomy 2. Then we turned back and set out toward the wilderness along the route to the Red Sea, as the Lord had directed me. For a long time, we made our way around the hill star of Sire. Then the Lord said to me, You have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. Give the people these orders. You are about to pass through the territory of your relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Sire. They will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. You are to pay them in silver for the food you eat and the water you drink. The Lord your God has blessed you and all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. So we went on past our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. We turned from the Arabah road, which comes up from Elath and Ezion Geber, and traveled along the desert road of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass the Moabites or provoke them to war, for I will not give you any part of their land. I have given Ar the descendants of Lot as a possession. The Emites used to live there a people strong and numerous, and as tall as the Anakites. Like the Anakites, they were too considered Rephites, but the Moabites called them Emites. Horites used to live in Seir, but the descendants of Esau drove them out. They destroyed the Horites from before them and settled in their place, just as Israel did in the land the Lord gave them as their possession. And the Lord said, Now get up and cross the Zerid Valley. So we crossed the valley. Thirty-eight years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zerid Valley. By then, the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp, as the Lord had sworn to them. The Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. Now, when the last of these fighting men among the people had died, the Lord said to them, Today you are to pass by the region of Moab at Ar. When you come to the Ammonites, do not harass them or provoke them to war, for I will not give you possession of any land belonging to the Ammonites. I have given it as a possession to the descendants of Lot. That too was considered a land of the Rephites, who used to live there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumzites. <laughs> That's so funny, okay. Called them Zamzumites. They were a people strong and numerous and as tall as the Anakites. The Lord destroyed them from before the Ammonites, who drove them out and settled in their place. The Lord had done the same for the descendants of Esau, who lived in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites from before them. They drove them out and have lived there in, pla in their place to this day. And for the Avites, who lived in the valley as far as Gaza, the Kaftorites, coming out from Kaftor, destroyed them and settled in their place." Set out now and cross the Arnon Gorge. See, I have given into your hand Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his country. Begin to take possession of it, engage him in battle. This very day I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. From the desert of Kedemoth I sent messengers to Sion, king of Heshbon, offering peace and saying, Let us pass through your country. We will stay on the main road. We will not turn aside to the right, to the left. Sell us food to eat and water to drink for their price in silver. Only let us pass through on foot. 
as the descendants of Esau who lived in Seir, and the Moabites who lived in Ar did for us, until we crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord our God is giving us. But Sion, king of Heshbon, refused to let us pass through. For the Lord your God has made his spirit stubborn and his heart obstinate in order to give him into your hands. And as he has now done, the Lord said to me, Say, I have begun to deliver Sion and his country over to you. Now begin to conquer and possess his land. When Sion and all his army came out to meet us in battle at Jahaz, the Lord our God delivered him over to us and we struck him down, together with his sons and his whole army. At that time, we took all his towns and completely destroyed them, men, women, and children. We left no survivors, but the livestock and the plunder of the towns we had captured, we carried off for ourselves. From Aror on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town in the gorge, even as far as Gilead, not one town was too strong for us. The Lord our God gave us all of them. But in accordance with the command of the Lord our God, you did not encroach on any of the land of the Ammonites, neither the land along the course of the Jebok, nor that around the towns in the hills. Psalm 86 Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am distressed, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me, because I serve you, just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness, that my enemies may see it and put, be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. To orient, Numbers is a book with five sections. Three are located in the wilderness, and two are road trips between the wilderness. The first wilderness, Sinai. Interesting side note, while we call the book of Numbers, Dr. Mackey explains that Hebrews title it in Hebrew, obviously, in the wilderness. Okay, zooming in, Numbers 2 is like reading the organization chart and the seating arrangement where God is in the center. The encampment is ordered where God is in the center and the Levites camp around the tabernacle and are responsible for the teardown, transport, and setup. No one else. Then the 12 tribes of Israel are arranged into four squadrons where there are three tribes in each squadron. So again, four times three, 12. Okay. So the tribe of Judah was in the lead. And I think this is interesting because if you remember, Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah. In Revelations 5.5, Jesus is referred to as the Lion of Judah. Jesus will be the one to ultimately conquer the adversary, rescuing and atoning for us. It's a portable business too, which is pretty cool. I think it's so amazing how perhaps to avoid strife, 
God uses the tribal patriarchal system they already had in place, and most likely factors like wife order or legitimacy and birth order, since it was important to them. Remember, the 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob, who had Leah, Rachel, and two handmaids for wives. And remember how God had so frequently not picked the firstborn or the first person in the story to carry out his mission thus far. For example, remember how Judah is actually the fourth son of Leah, who was the sister of the wife Jacob loved. Yet, his descendants lead to David and Jesus. So, Jesus typically doesn't pick in the same cultural way, but yet he seems to be honoring their sense of system and structure. So here, God seems to be showing a sensitivity to their desire for primogeniture, which is firstborn, patriarchy, male, familiar, and organizational leadership. God selects the patriarchs by name. The Matthew Henry commentary on Numbers 2 points to how much God was in the thoughts of those that gave them their names. For most of them, most of these patriarchal leaders, they had El, which means God in Hebrew, at one end or the other of their names. Nethanel, which means the gift of God. Eliab, my God of father. Elizur, my God of rock. Shalomiel, God of my peace. Eliasaph, God has added. Elishama, my God has heard. Gamaliel, God, my reward. Pagiel, God has met me. So cool. It seems to testify and put on display the importance of God to the Israelites. And while God seems to have honored the micro-organizational leadership created by the Israelites, God is the one to tell them where to go in the camp arrangement. So he has a specific plan for the macro organization. It's like God both helped them to, in quotes, save face in an honor-shame culture, but also called on them to yield to his ultimate authority and leadership for the plan. I continue to see this combination where God gave and allows for the invention of human management, but at the same time, he requires our trust and ultimate authority and leadership over our vice regency and brand ambassadorship. In this story, I can see a combination of God allowing for the people he gave a portion of his power and authority to back in Genesis to make sociocultural, political, legal, and economic systems. And at the same time, we're reading how God is directly arranging the what and how of this project, the project where he will dwell in the middle. God is holy and he is asking us to trust him when he says to do this this way. Do we trust that our high priest, our king, our savior knows what's best? Transitioning to Deuteronomy, Old Testament biblical scholar Dr. Gary Miller describes the book as an urging of God's people to throw themselves into living gratefully, wholeheartedly in response to God's grace in their new land, hoping in his work to change hearts. Yet, we are reading about rebellion. (laughs) Dr. Miller describes Deuteronomy as gospel-shaped, where Moses is laying out the problem with moral defection as we self-exile ourselves, or the people are, into either self-pleasure or self-righteousness, but fall away from the place and relationship that brings life. Death is inevitable in self-exile. In Deuteronomy 1, Moses called for self-governance, which points back to mankind's stated role in Genesis 1 and 2. Moses was looking for individuals with wisdom and experience, acting in an influential managerial role as judge, and Moses described their option to appeal to higher authority in complex or sensitive situations. Then we read just after how the people would not listen to God's instructions to fight out a fear instead, so God redirected them back into, and I quote, training in the wilderness. 
But instead, the people said, no, wait, I'll do it. Trying to lead on their own terms and in their own timing. And God said, don't do it. I won't be with you. And they do it anyway. They choose self-exile to leave God's plan out of self-righteousness. Instead of right relationship with God and trusting in his relationship, they refuse a direct order and choose to what? Make it up to God? We don't earn or deserve him. He gives to us freely and we belong to him because he chose that order and made covenantal promises to us. And then in chapter two, we read, like in Genesis three, the people's moral defection has consequences. That generation is disqualified from continuing the mission into the promised land, and they're set to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But almost immediately from the gracious God we have already come to know, God shows grace and starts the mission again with the next generation. They begin to see how they progress when they do things God's way, just as he says, when he says. And have you noticed that God is the sovereign victor in the story? He seems to arrange unlikely people and situations in such a way that a victory can only be attributed to him. There can be no other explanation for the win, being on account of a specific factor like a giant or a specific weapon or some sort of magic. God is the factor. I leave you with this. How can we recognize and be grateful for the God factor in our lives? And how can we stand on the promises of God, even when we feel like we face impossible challenges? Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11 that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.